Welcome to Blue Jays Happy Hour Live episode, I believe, 27, but we were fairly rushed. Uh, you know, I was doing the Sportsnet <laughs> Live blog before this, so, uh, you know, prep time was at a premium. Could not look it up. It is some episode, and we are coming to you after the MLB trade deadline. The Toronto Blue Jays have done some things. Uh, I think people who are listening to the show right now and will listen later wanted them to do some things. So in that sense, they can be satisfied. Stoughton, I don't get the sense from you that you were satisfied overall. Uh, it's just, you know, to watch the Yankees and to watch the Mariners, who I think are, are two teams the Jays are obviously uh, going to be competing with a lot. I mean, the Yankees are maybe so far ahead that it doesn't matter. But to watch them sort of load up and to watch the Mariners do what they did. Uh, it's an underwhelming return for the Jays on the on deadline day, and especially the, you know when you think about all the big names that got sort of uh, talked about and and you know the excitement of the deadline. I mean, I say this, we haven't really quite yet got the like it's officially that's it message, and uh, you know those are sort of still filtering out in some markets, but for the most part, you know most of the big names seem to be off, and 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 I'd be happy to you know talk about some last minute deal that comes in that we might see, but uh, if this is it, you know. It's raised the floor in some spots. Uh, the bullpen will definitely be helped. I mean, Anthony Bass, it's hard to get out of your, your head what he was in 2020, which he is not now. He's been really, really, really good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. It'll help them. They'll be in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, they're really, they're, <laughs> they, they, they did not take a big swing here, clearly. No, I think what they did is in line with sort of what you expect them to do. And I know that we've gotten used to them taking big swings because they've done that in free agency and they did that in the Brios trade. Although, you know, the prospects in that trade, again, at the time were maybe not as highly rated as they were at the beginning of the season. So there was a little bit of a disconnect there. They, yeah, they clearly weren't probably prepared to give up their top, top guys for, say, Noah Syndergaard, for instance. Like, they were clearly in on Syndergaard, but felt, you know, they weren't able to meet the price, or the Phillies did a better job of, you know, cranking up that price. You saw today, you know, Jordan Groshans has been a guy we've talked about in this system for a long, long time. He's been a top prospect uh, for the Blue Jays, always at the top of those lists. But he's having a bad 2022, so it's kind of an Austin Martin situation. And you saw what he got you. And what he got, like, we've talked about Groshans as a center, not centerpiece, but potentially a headliner for, you know, Jose Ramirez back. And maybe that was silly at the time. But, you know, he's been speculated for years as a guy that you would trade to get a big name. And he would be potentially the biggest prospect you give up. And the reality is that at this point in his development, he's he's worth a couple of relievers. And, the, you know, those are pretty good relievers. I think both of those guys help the Blue Jays a lot. But if you aren't pushing that Moreno chip into the middle, the Blue Jays were in a little bit of a trickier spot where they didn't have a lot of guys who were extremely highly valued. I think Buster only put something out about that, how the other teams weren't as high on the Blue Jays' farm system. And you saw, how, you know, even Nick Frasso in like a late trade, he was a guy we've heard about, like, oh, this guy's got helium. He's been really good in 2022. I'm not saying they're going to regret uh, giving him up by any means, but, you know, Mitch White is not exactly a superstar either. And you're giving up, a you know, a prospect that you think something of, like, that's the reality. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think, uh, you know, Frasso, you, you might you might regret it. You're right. But uh to White, I think, is a really interesting guy. Obviously, uh, a lot of control left. Got sort of Springer vibes, or sorry, not Springer vibes, uh, Stripling vibes from him. Um, 
and yeah, I think that that's obviously a ready-made, you know, stripling replacement. I'm surprised that they moved Castillo out when they are so sort of thin with rotation depth. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. With Maryville, it's all, it, it's all confusing to me right now, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but I, I, I think you're right that it's, you know, it is kind of the moves. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have been like, eh, you know, they might get a swingman kind of type or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's probably true, but just to watch other teams do bigger things uh, is frustrating. And I think I think you're right. Like Buster said that on TSN this morning uh, about uh, uh, about the fact that other teams are maybe were maybe not as enamored with the Jays' prospects uh, beyond the top guys. And I think that that's sort of been uh, proven to be true. Uh, everybody probably has a Nick Frasso in their system, right? And it's easy to get sort of tunnel visioned on Jays' prospects and. Um, yeah, uh, they're they're better. They're a better team than they were yesterday. So that's that's sort of the that's the good thing, I guess. Yeah, it's we have a we have a caller, so I want to get to that because um, I'm sure people have thoughts today. But it is a situation where you evaluate each trade individually, and it's hard to poke too many holes in them. Like you think, okay, these trades all make sense. We are getting upgrades here, uh, especially in the bullpen where that was needed desperately. But you look at the whole picture, and it is easy to be underwhelmed. Although, like I said, not necessarily surprised too much. But let's get to Ron. Yes, let's do that. Ron, thank you so much for calling. Oh, we've lost Ron. All right. Well, we've lost Ron. Okay, let's. I mean, how do you feel that Merrifield is going to fit into this team? Right. I mean. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about him in center, right? Like that's a big, big factor because he he can still run well. He's still athletic. He hasn't played nearly as much center this season as he has at times in the past. But if you think of him as, you know, Bradley Zimmer, but with a functional bat, which he can in theory be, although he hasn't been great this season, then I don't really, I don't mind the deal because we've talked about before how they've got these two spots on the bench that don't take any at bats. And if someone were to get injured, then you'd have a little bit of trouble. But I, th- you know, I think Merrifield is kind of what Tapia was sold to the Blue Jays fan base as when they acquired him, like speed, defense, left-handed, functional bat. And Tapia has been more and less than that at different times. But I think Merrifield will be a more consistent version of that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's still going to be a bats for Tapia. Um, I think Merrifield, I mean... Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio have not exactly like set the world on fire over the last month at second base, so that's you know that's an option there. I think we were thinking about that when Ian Happ was a possibility as well. Which also, why are the Cubs not trading Ian Happ? I mean, that's a, that stuff is kind of weird too. Um, all sorts of weird trades all around the league, really. Um, but yeah, Merrifield, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I'm looking at his fan graphs right now. He's got an 80 waiting for him to create a plus this year. Like that's pretty underwhelming. It's uh, uh, you can really draw a straight line downwards from his peak in 2018. He's 33 years old. Um, really would have been a nice guy to get a few years ago, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. And uh, he's got another year left on the deal. Uh, the average is average annual value 5.1 million. I don't have the other terms uh, in front of me, but uh, I guess he's a guy who's going to be around. I guess he's going to get vaccinated. Really made me look like a jackass there uh, on Twitter. When I was like, oh, clearly it's not going to be be to Toronto. Um, Happy to be wrong about that, I guess. Uh, always really liked Whit Merrifield. Um, 
it's a, it's an interesting fit. But yeah, I think you're right that, that if he can play center a bit, that's all they really need. I mean, they have George Springer out there for God's sakes. Like it's not like it's not like the bar is set exceptionally high, uh, glove wise and center. The Springer's fine. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's nice. I don't know. I feel like I'm saying that <laughs> about all of these. And yeah, if we, if we think about them individually, uh, there's nothing really bad to say about each individual deal. It's just sort of the total of it to me is still underwhelming. Yeah. Mer- Merrifield, like you said, the fit is the least intuitive. Uh, yes. You don't know exactly where the bats are going to come from. You don't know exactly how he's going to be deployed. Like you said, there is a pretty clear downward trajectory with him. He used to be an incredibly exciting player. Like that's not an understatement. He'd be, yes. uh, you know, among the league leaders in stolen bases. To be fair, this season he's already got 15 steals against three caught stealings, and the sprint speed is deep into the 80s. So, like, you can expect to use him even potentially as that late game stolen base weapon, which the Blue Jays don't really have. I know that Zimmer has the theoretical speed, but he also doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, and has never really piled up stolen bases at the big league level, at least not nearly to the same extent as Merrifield. So he is truly a base stealer even now, uh, and that is a skill that they don't really have. When you think about yeah, going the other way, Castillo, I wouldn't be shocked if they're selling a little bit high on him with him having some MOB success. Like I, you know, I don't think you know based on what he did last year in the minors and in the majors that you feel like he's going to go on to be some runaway success. Uh, Samad Taylor is another player that we've talked about a fair amount. I don't think I ever really bought in. Like I get, you know, we've, you know, the Blue Jays maybe are too focused on the hit tool as we saw with Groshans and whatnot, but I get nervous when guys put up big strikeout rates in the minor leagues, especially if they don't have elite, elite power, because that's only going to get worse when the guys are throwing 97 and you have the nasty breakers and all that stuff. So I wouldn't be shocked if he was some kind of utility player at some point, but I don't think that the Blue Jays are going to look up in the future and really, really feel hurt by that. Like the the guy is who they gave up is Groshans, you know, today. And I, we're kind of all over the place here, and that's the nature of a instant reaction. Uh, we can kind of go more methodically, uh, move by move. But when you think about being a buyer at the trade deadline. You think, okay, you're going to give up prospects, and is there anything you're going to regret in the future? And you'll be like, wow, I, you know, I traded for a couple months of a guy who didn't make a difference, and then the guy went on to be a star. I have a hard time seeing that. Groshans has some defensive value. He's got a good approach at the plate. He has a swing that people have liked for power in the past. But uh, I don't know. Like he, he was someone I was pretty down on coming into this deadline, and I think getting – pop over a long period of time this is a guy who throws like you know 96 97 with a huge sinker uh you know not the strikeout rate that people were kind of clamoring for because the blue jays have lacked that but a good pitcher in isolation and then you know anthony bass has been fantastic this year so it is weird to be like this is a big position player prospect who could be a everyday starter someday and we're going to get a couple of relievers for him but um that first trade didn't hit me i don't know it didn't hit me that hard i thought that that was fairly reasonable. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, I think the 40-man decisions are another thing, too, right? I mean, clearly he has value. Obviously, if the, Mar- the, uh, the Marlins are going to uh, are gonna jump at the chance to, to move. So, like, guys, like, Pop has control. Bass has another year of control, but, like, Pop's going to be around for a while. It's really cool that he's Canadian from the GTA, and uh, you know, to watch that clip of him talking about it, like you can't not not smile, and how could you not? Like, uh, you know, you're, you're pitching for the Marlins, you live in Miami. That's probably pretty good. 
Uh, but to come home to Toronto and to be in a pennant race and to be like an important guy in the Blue Jays bullpen, I mean, uh, that's really cool. And I, I, I like that trade. And, and I think that the 40 man thing, and also Samad Taylor is, is a 40 man issue too, right? I mean, those are guys who, uh, who were, Taylor would have been last year Rule 5 eligible had there been a, a Rule 5. Groshans, you said earlier, you said off the top, like we've been talking about him as a prospect for so long. It's like, yeah, he would have been Rule 5 eligible this year, this, like, which, is, which is just crazy to me. Uh, and I think absolutely is why he, you know, he ends up in this deal. Like it, it, uh, uh, they, if, if a team valued him the way that the, the Marlins did in, in making this trade, somebody probably would have plucked him in the rule five, right? Unless the Jays had added him to the 40 band, but those spaces are at a premium in the way that he's played this year. That just probably wasn't tenable. So that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Merrifield ones though, and I'm still sort of scratching my head about, um, but yeah, Mitch White, into that, into uh, it, it, it's been a nice day, you know, in a vacuum. I, I want to address the chat here a little bit because we're getting suggestions from Osrob that there's trouble phoning in, so maybe there'll be some action there. Uh, a couple things from Osrob, friend of the show, said the elf in the room is Springer's elbow, so Merrifield is a good pickup, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's that question of if Springer was down for an extended period of time, they had to rest him, whatever the situation is. Uh, they want someone they're comfortable with in center, and I, I don't think they are really with Tapia, although they've played him there. Uh, and then the other thing he said is, I think it's an underwhelming haul for us, but okay, it's disappointing. Is Groshan's deflated value makes me wonder about our next wave of prospects leading to a sustainable playoff team. I mean, there's some truth to that, and we the Blue Jays farm system is not an elite elite group right now. On the flip side. They've got young, good players that they have under control for quite a while. Like, there aren't that many holes that need to be filled from the farm system in the near future. If anything, they're kind of behind the eight ball in terms of maybe trading for these big stars when they become available. Like, I don't think they could have matched the Soto deal, really. Um, you know, San, San Diego put everything on the table there. And even if the Blue Jays did their equivalent of that, and, you know, Bichette is an interesting thing because he's a guy who's had a ton of success at the big league level already. So, how does the team value that? It's interesting. It's tricky, but I just don't think you could could have matched us what they have and what they have coming. It's hard to say if they're going to be able to be in it for the top, top, top guys. But it's not like the NBA where you build your team around hoping a superstar will be unhappy and then you'll have the draft picks to trade for him. In baseball, like it's not necessarily about the one player. And you know, I know this deadline is underwhelming to some people because it's four players and none of them are stars. That's but right. That's correct. <laughs> But I, yeah, I, I don't see that as a, like, I don't know. When I look at where the Blue Jays are as an organization, I don't think, oh no, there's a prospect apocalypse and therefore the MLB team is going to be hurt, you know, three, four years down the line. It's about whether, are they going to pay these guys on extensions? Like, that's the next thing, whether they do that or not. Um, we'll probably have more to do with their success than guys who are getting promoted over the next couple of years, to be honest. And, yeah, it, I, I get it because we're used to hearing, oh, the Blue Jays have a fantastic farm system, and I don't think it's fair to describe it that way at this particular juncture. But I don't see it as as big a problem as it would have been even in sort of 2015, 2016 when you had a great team, but you knew guys were declining or their contracts were coming up. Like you do have this group pretty much locked in for 2023, 2024, 2025 kind of at least and you sort of fill around and you know they could use a long-term starter etc you could you could say that a lot of different ways even though their top three there is locked in but it's it's not like they need the farm system to create stars for them right now 
they've kind of done that already, and it's about building the team around them. Yeah, and I, I think that's true. And I think that you know, Mark Shapiro, when he came in, you know, it's it, it can't be about just one guy. And I think there was a lot of like looking at the, like one guy. And, and I think you know, the J system is top heavy. That sort of leads leads people to do that. Uh, and and yeah, it's uh, also the the like sustainable winning thing is. I mean, every team says that they're all they're all going to make a sustainable winner, and it doesn't work out that way. We're already seeing you know, Ravos Martinez, aggressive promotion, uh, you know, really young for Double A, but there's there's red flags on him this year. There's red flags on. I mean, that's just but that's just the nature of prospects. And the Jays, unlike the Padres, <laughs> don't have enough of those guys for it to matter less. You know, when you're really focused on that. But as you say, you know, there's so much good here that's so win now for the next few years. Uh, that's not that's not that as big a deal, except on days like this when you could have used you know some more of those kind of guys to uh, to maybe pry loose some of the some some more uh, star power in terms of uh, what you would bring back. But yeah, I, I think that that they they've also you know they used those guys to get Barrios to get Matt Chapman and like that's. Uh, that's that's partly why they're here as well. I mean, Barrios hasn't been all that helpful, I guess, in the especially in the first half of the year. But like, that's partly why they're 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 even in this place. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it it should be it will be interesting going forward. But it 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 does very much feel to me like there was an opportunity ahead of them, right? There's a there, you know, they'll they'll get into the playoffs. This will help to ensure that they get into the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you know, the Mariners did all right. There's Scott Castillo. The Mariners picked up a couple other guys uh, over the course of the day that were a little sexier names. Maybe that's television for me again. On you know, uh, it's a grass is always greener thing. But like that's a team you don't. You, you know, you you don't want to be the number four or number five or sort of the the uh, the lower the lower wild card seeds. You want to have the top wild card. You want to host games. Well, uh, or or the last one. You just you just don't want to be in that ugly middle spot. I think you're actually okay to go to the AL Central winner, but that, <laughs> you might end up with those like last game tanking scenarios that people end up with in the NBA where they're trying to pick their opponent because. I think you would. You'd rather go to the AL Central winner than go to, say, Seattle uh, if they're that team. I still think the Blue Jays are the third best team in the American League right now. Like, I still think they're a better team than Seattle from top to bottom. They didn't do as much as Seattle, that's for sure. But I still think that that gap is there. Hosting is a big deal, though, you know, yeah. with the Robbie Ray of it all, if it's those two teams in particular. And I'm not trying to write out the the Rays by any means. Like, they have quality talent there as well. Just so many injuries this season. Um, but, I, yeah, I think that you could have seen it a couple ways. You know, there's a way of seeing it where, yeah, hosting all three games. And the Blue Jays, they've been fantastic at home this year. Like, that has made a difference for them. Uh, you know, yeah, being in Toronto helpful, uh, and a couple of guys being absent also helpful. But yeah, they've been really good at home, and I think that they, you know, the home park does suit them. It does suit the right-handed power that's kind of the dominant factor on this team. So having that is a big deal. So you could say you really should push in for the deadline because having that is a big deal. You could also say they're not going to win the division, and they're almost certainly not going to fall out of the playoffs. So pushing for the one-year players, the rental players, doesn't make as much sense. And I think that's the approach they took. Like all the players they got have control because they are seeing it not in the, oh, 2022 is a specific opportunity, but rather we have this window. Let's make our team better. And these guys will be with us for you know at least a couple of years in each case. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. I do think that last season, 
we talked about Ray and we talked about Semyon and we talked about how these guys are not going to be around and they're having special years. You know, look at them both in 2022. They're not nearly as good as they were last year, although both of them have done better in recent months. So t- last year felt like a particularly unusual opportunity that the team was not going to see again, whereas it's easier to see 2022 as part of a greater whole. This is not exciting to the fan base. I understand this is not what people (laughs) want to hear, but I do think that there's a difference in the two years where one of them felt a little bit more unique and one of them feels like part of a bigger project. And the project is to win. I said, they're the third best team in the AL. The third best team in the AL wins the world series plenty of times. Like that happens all the time. We know how crazy the MLB playoffs are. I'm absolutely not counting out the Blue Jays. They could win the World Series this season. That's a very real possibility for them. But uh, I get why the idea of like, let's get every rental under the sun wasn't as appealing to them as it might have been if they were fighting for one of those buys or they felt like the division was in within reach. And the fact that it's not, and it get muddied the water. I, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Um, I just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I don't care for that. I, I think it makes complete sense that they would, uh, that they would look at it as well. We're going to get in the playoffs and then anything can happen. We don't need to, to go crazy adding guys. Uh, definitely less fun. Um, there is also, you know, they still need swing and miss in their bullpen. I think a little bit though, you know, pop, they may be able to, I think, you know, Cyrus wrote about or tweeted about how, you know, his, uh, the, the slider, he does, he basically throws sinker slider, but it's like 83% sinker at this point, And all the strikeout, all the swing and miss is really gone. Uh, but there may be some tinkering that can be done there, which, uh, giddy up, except it looks like he works just fine, uh, as a sinker guy. Uh, the swing and miss could be Yasru Zulueta, right? It could be Hayden Younger or whatever. In the, these, these kids that they have, of course, other teams have guys like that too, which is, which is sort of uh, a thing to be considered. But you know, the bullpen can get better. They also, I mean, I hope the hell they're not relying on Nate Pearson and Julian Merriweather coming back and being able to help the bullpen out. It would be great if they could. Uh, lots to dream on in those arms, but you know, seeing that movie. Uh, a lot of times, and yeah, I, I don't know because it's just like the the yes, it's sort of a continuum. Yes, it's a bigger project, but also George Springer's going to be a year older next year. Kevin Gossman's going to be a year older next year. Um, you know, you're still going to have the review money on the books. You're not going to like, you know, that that may help. That may limit you into how you can like refresh that spot in the rotation. Even though you know, right now, obviously, they have a rotation. Maybe it's maybe it's Mitch White as your as a starter next year. Maybe Ricky Tiedemann comes up and, and is the Alec Manoa of next year. There, there's there's things to think about down the road like that for sure. Um, but yeah, and I wrote this the other day. Like the the thing is with like these with these big free agent contracts, like you're paying for the first years. You don't want to give them seven years. You'd rather give them three years because you know that the value is coming at the front of the contract. So to kind of be a little wishy-washy about one of those years where, you know, where now you're, now we're going into to year three of, of George Springer where you haven't won a World Series yet. I mean, I don't know if that's how that was supposed to go. Well, I mean, when you sign one player, it's pretty hard to be like, we will win a World yeah. Series in the next two years. <laughs> it's tough. That's a tough yeah. ask. It's a hell of a bar. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Springer was better next year than this year just because of all sure. the elbow stuff that went on. I know what you're saying, but I, I think it's probably more true of most teams than it is of the Blue Jays. Like, you can cite Springer, sure. He's a big one. There's no doubt about it. But I'm I'm not convinced, for instance, that Gosman will be worse next year because he's a year older. Like, we see the way 
kind of elite starters are aging these days. And, you know, especially for a guy who whose most special pitch is not the fastball, I don't have profound worries about him. Again, like I'm not saying they should punt this down the line because, you know, clearly this is a good team. It's capable of winning the World Series. But I'm not maybe as worried about it as that. You know, and like the whole swing and miss thing is interesting because they had all the time in the world to look at a bullpen that truly failed them in 2021 and failed them for much of 2022, although not recently. I don't think people realize how good the bullpen has actually been recently, at least in terms of suppressing runs. It might not hold up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they went, they doubled down, right? Like they got Simber before and they're like, we don't care that he doesn't strike guys out because he's a good pitcher and the stats are good. And, you know, at the end of the day, he keeps runs off the board. And that's sort of what they've done again with Pop, you know, to a lesser extent because he's more controllable and, you know, Bass is the big guy there. But Bass is, has a career high in strikeouts this year or strikeout rate, and it's just over one per inning, which for a reliever, especially a high leverage reliever, is not a big number by any means. So the Blue Jays clearly believe that paying for or, you know, with prospects more so than money, but getting these pitchers that are quote-unquote good pitchers who are effective and have good bottom line results means more than paying the premium for the guy who, you know, wipes guys out with the 98 mile an hour fastball up and strikes out 13 per nine innings. Like at a certain point, you have to believe that what they do shows you what they think and they won't pay the premium for that guy. You know, the big donkeys, they're not paying the premium for that. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe Pearson will do it at some point. God knows when, uh, you know, my boy Zuleta, he's on the way. I could absolutely see him doing that. But, you know, even in the organization, there aren't a ton of these guys. And it's interesting to see that they feel like maybe it isn't a necessity the way that certain other teams do. I, I think that's I think that's probably correct that they, they don't feel that it's a necessity because obviously they would be, you know, quote unquote, overpaying for certain guys uh, if that were the case. But also, I mean... Uh, the bullpen was not great last year, and the bullpen has had some real struggles this year too. And part of it is because of you know, stuff like this. Part of it is because of depth. There's lots. There's lots going on there. But uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I think you're right. What, I, another thing that I think is interesting about this that that we should talk about that, that it could, because the we all know, and I've already joked about you know the border issues. Uh, you know, giving the Jays you know the home record is uh, it looks pretty pretty nice, uh, which could be related to that. Um, also a ton of guys who moved and a ton of guys who were like the bigger names were unvaccinated. Like, like Whit Merrifield is going to have to get vaccinated. Like, uh, the Jays, like the Jays. Just a so public many, health measure, really. That they could get, like the, that they, you know, we talked about Tyler Maley or, or Molly or whatever the hell he wants to call himself, uh, <laughs> on our last episode. Uh, didn't I don't think we mentioned that he was unvaccinated. I, I certainly didn't. No, we, def- we <laughs> definitely failed to mention that. <laughs> uh, which is an issue. And the Jays, and, you know, not only are the, were the Jays, you know, at a disadvantage in terms of, like, the number of players in the pool that they were, were you know, able to acquire, uh, you know, versus everybody else. It's also like the you can you can squeeze the Jays a little more. I tweeted this the other day. You know, you could, so you could squeeze the Jays a little more if you know that – the guy that you have is the is their only alternative because they can't go and get a Molly. They can't go and get a, another player who won't be able to play for them. Uh, and I, I think that could have really had a had an effect because I think a lot of the, you know we don't know everybody's vaccine status. We know some of them because they've been on the restricted list. You know, trying to come to Toronto, 
But I, I think that that like like that is just just in terms of like sheer statistically, they, they're just at such a disadvantage. And I think that that not to try to make an excuse for them. And I've been the, you know, I've been more negative about this this deadline than you have. But like uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to make an excuse. But I do think it was probably pretty difficult uh, because a lot of a lot of paths were closed off to them because there were those guys to the point where they actually went and got a guy who probably perhaps can't even cross the border to play homestand uh, until that Johnson and Johnson kicks in. Yeah, which, you know, they did it. They helped out the world by getting one more person vaccinated. Maybe that's what the deal was about (laughs) all along. Uh, Unfurl the banner. And this is going to might be a scenario where uh, we talk outside of our mouths in terms of who's vaccinated and I don't remember. But what I want to ask you is sort of what is because a lot of what we've talked about today is that kind of FOMO notion of here are all the moves that are getting made around the league. And like, man, wouldn't it have been nice to see the Blue Jays make something as large? And the deal that I saw that I felt the Blue Jays could have made this deal and I think it really would have helped them was the Jorge Lopez deal. Um, and I know that the Orioles would be kind of reluctant to deal in the, in the division potentially, but also they're the Orioles and I feel like they're, they're pretty soulless about that kind of stuff at the end of the day and they would do a deal. And what they ended up getting from the twins was sort of, again, like I can't say I know the twins farm system, but I do know that the general consensus was like, oh, that's a little bit light for a guy who has control and it was someone sort of in the 20 range and the twins prospect ranking was headlining it um he's a guy who just gained velocity this year strikes a ton of guys out like he just does all the stuff you're looking for you know walks a few more guys but that that can come with the territory at times you know 168 era this year not as good as anthony bass but um (laughs) that was the one deal i saw because i think oftentimes it's easy to sort of have this overall thought of, oh, the deadline wasn't good enough. Like they should have gotten more guys. Like, and it's good to be sort of be concrete about, okay, what would, what did you see out there that you thought, oh, that's a deal they could have, you know, cause like Soto, as we said before, that it really, that deal really wasn't there for them, but a lot of them were is what are any of them that kind of stood out to you is like, oh, if the Jays had done that, I think that would have been a good thing for them. Uh, you know, that's a great question. And I think, you know, in my head, it's guys who didn't even move. It's like, why Michael, Michael Fulmer, not, not really moving the needle a lot for me, but there were definitely Tigers relievers, uh, that, that would have been nice, uh, nice to see in the, in a Blue Jays uniform, uh, Hap, Ian Hap instead of Merrifield, I probably would have felt better about the deadline had that happened. Um, David Robertson, uh, you know, the Cinder Guard, I would have been fine with that. I, I, I do, I think it's sneaky good, the, 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 the Mitch White move, because that is, now you don't disrupt your rotation. I mean, I, I liked my idea in the middle of the day where, you, yeah, maybe you can send Kikuchi back and get Iglesias and Cinder Guard, and that'll sort of help balance out the, uh, the, the dollars. Obviously didn't work. I think obviously the, the Jays and the Angels were pretty deep into talks. Um, just didn't come about. Oh, they didn't have a you know they they sent their busted prospect to uh, <laughs> to, to Miami instead, I guess. Because um, I think it was Mickey Moniak that went. Uh, I'm sure there was somebody else in that deal as well, but he was uh, maybe one of the bigger pieces for the uh, for that one. But yeah, I uh, yeah, uh, like Robertson would have been nice. I mean, that's that's not really moving the needle a whole ton either. I suppose if we must, if I must be honest, I think you're right that Lopez was, uh, you know. I, I, that's tough in the in the same division. Like I know that Espinal and Steve Pierce happened, 
Uh, there's occasionally trades within divi- the division, but like, man, I think uh, that'd be tough if you're the Orioles to have the Blue Jays come to town a bunch next year and be like, hey, here's your closer. Also, we're good now and we could use a guy like that. Like that would that would have been that would have been tough for them. So I, uh, you know, I I don't know, but I, I I don't know what they could have done. I guess. I mean, nobody knows what they could have done other than that. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I got I, I I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I it is it, it's maybe we were sold too much, like the uh, the the dreaming on Otani, the dreaming on Soto. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Otani would have been because you could have thrown Moreno into that, and the team actually would have been interested in it again. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It was funny what, reading the Fangraphs or trade value list, and that needs to be taken with a huge grain of salt. You know, ultimately yeah. that's one person's opinion, and it was really funny to see Kirk Alejandro Kirk right next to Shohei Otani on that. I think yeah. they were twenty-seven <laughs> and twenty-six or something. Two people who could not be more different in terms of uh, their sort of natural abilities and how easily the baseball comes to them potentially um, <laughs> Size, shape, all sorts of things yeah all sorts of stuff going on there the, I, I do want to oh. circle back on the the mitch white of it all because it feels like he's kind of the forgotten man in our discussions about this deadline and i think there is a little bit of a reason for that he does suffer from the boring name thing uh this comes up a lot in fantasy football where guys don't end up getting drafted because they have boring names and people they're forgettable like mitch white is pretty forgettable uh yeah and and his his numbers too like he's been solid he's been a solid back rotation starter weirdly he's been better as a starter this year but the sample is small enough that i wouldn't really put any uh stock into that you know a guy throws in 93 94 which is pretty standard these days he's got the slider curveball change Slider's actually quite good. Um, it's an interesting pitch. I really do like the idea, and I'm, to be fair, I didn't really think in, that this was the way it was going to go, but I like the idea of getting a sort of dedicated swingman, one, because Stripling could potentially be out the door. But also, it does give you that option of, like, what if Kikuchi is fine from here on out? And I'm not – I know that people will be rolling <laughs> their eyes when they hear that. But he looked really good in his last start, and I, I'm not saying he deserves a long leash. He absolutely does not. If he if he's bad for a few starts and he's hurting their chances of getting the playoff position they want, like they need to act decisively with him. But there is a scenario where he pitches fairly well from here on out, and when you have White, you've got the option to use him out of the bullpen. You've got the option for him to take that spot, and you're not totally folding on the upside with Kikuchi, which maybe it's a 15% shot, but it's a 15% shot. You've got like a damn good starter actually down the stretch and, you know, getting, you know, a cinder guard, for instance, to fill that slot is a little bit odd because, you know, like you said, maybe Kikuchi goes back in that deal, but then you're really that the whole Kikuchi project, you're giving up on it pretty early, you know, and I know the results haven't been good and they're playing people, listening to this who would love to for it to be given up on but I, I don't think it's something you give up on just yet and getting white who i think was a quality contributor in his own right allows you to carry that forward but not be wed to it which is nice yeah i, I think you're right uh, uh, you know it's a vote of confidence in stripling i think too really ultimately because i mean white can replace either of them in the rotation but i don't think that uh I don't think that anybody thinks that Stripling is the one who's going to go. And that, that was kind of, you know, nobody wants to put Kikuchi in the bullpen. Uh, he, you know, that's, that's not what you want your, your long man to look like, or if that's, if, if that's the role you're going to let him have. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean that that could ultimately happen still, but uh, but yeah, I, I think it absolutely is a more comfortable fit to have a true swingman come in um, because, like exactly what you said, uh, still would have been interesting. Still could have gone to like six starters. I think that was a, that was things I think people talked about a bit, like with Syndergaard and, and you know Manoa could probably use maybe a little bit backing off. And, uh, wouldn't hurt to, to see Kikuchi last. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely works. It works really, it, it works really well. It's, uh, there's just, again, there's just not that much sizzle. It's, uh, uh, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, I've seen, you know, everybody's just been morons for days about this, like not just fans, but like all over the place and just, you know, see, I'm, I'm trying not to look at the tweet deck that I have on my screen right now where, uh, you know, where, where the fallout from this is happening, where people are treating it like it's, you know, 2014 and the Jays did absolutely nothing, which is not true at all. They, they, they did make the team better, but it is, you know, it, 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 perception means a lot. Perception is reality. Sometimes I've, I've heard that phrase before. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, you, I thought even just for the sake of, and this is something that I think that Shapiro or Atkins or, or Schneider's talked about. They've talked about, you know, doing it, like doing something for, the guys in the in the room who have put them in the position to, you know, have an eighty percent chance of making the playoffs and really have you know an opportunity to go to, to you know, deep into October. I wonder how they feel about it because it is uh it it, it again it's not, it feels underwhelming in a lot of ways even though you can sort of work your way through it and think like okay yeah like all of this does make a bunch of sense it's it. Uh, and will I, I think that it's absurd to be like, oh, it's going to cause a mutiny. But also, uh, that's real stuff. Like that 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 thing that happened in 2014 was was uh, uh, you know something that I think Alex Anthopoulos learned from and you know took to took to heart. Like I think Buster talked about this in that that TSN hit on the in the morning that that we referenced earlier was talking about how you know uh, after Acuna went down last year. Uh, Anthopolis had, you know, believed in the team, went out, got reinforcements, got, you know, that also not a particularly sexy trade deadline, uh, but, but really showed faith in the team. I, I, you know, I think you can convince yourself, you know, you can take your, you, you can, you know, <laughs> adjust your glasses and convince yourself that, uh, <laughs> that, that they, that's what they've done, but maybe that's different than convincing you know the guys in a in an MLB clubhouse, so uh, that that could be curious. Um, I'm sure those in search of a uh, in search of a good red meat story are going to be trying to dig up anything they can on that. Oh yeah, I mean there will be some red meat. I, one thing this is you know well into the realm of the unprovable, which is not where I like to live, but that's sure. where a lot of takery uh, happens, and so a lot of sports media. Um, I think that it's a good thing that this deadline happened at the outset of the John Snyder Schneider era. I think if this had happened during a time of already a little bit of clubhouse malaise, which is what we've come to understand there are some of in the Montoya or the end of Montoya era, although some of that may be exaggerated for effect, uh, they, there's a lot of good vibes around the team right now. So I think that this is like not, I think as a player you'd see this as sort of, fine not great maybe even a little bit below average yeah potentially like you were hoping for more but i think if that happened to a clubhouse that was already not feeling great about itself um maybe it hurts a little bit more but because you have this kind of exciting new era for them 
in the clubhouse and they've been performing so well lately. I think it's easy for them to spin the idea of like, oh, we're we're already rolling. This team's already great. And here are a couple of guys who can help. Uh, you know, we, we all saw pictures of the beach party yesterday. So uh, that shows you pretty conclusively where they're at with the lack of <laughs> sleeves, which I personally <laughs> like to see. Um, so I, I, again, totally unprovable. I'll never be able to tell you confidently that this makes a big difference, but, uh, as I talk myself into it, I can see a scenario where the fact that Blue Jays are in sort of a healthy place from a clubhouse perspective, and there is this sense of momentum makes the fact they're not adding a ton hurt a little bit less because it's like, oh, we're going right now and we believe in this team. And part of the reason why I'm kind of less down on this, and I think a lot of people will be, is in part because I do believe in this team. Like, I don't think this team needed some, you know, huge star player to be a worthy contender. I think they're already a worthy contender. So I, I could see a lot of the guys in the room having that same feeling. You could be right. You absolutely could be right. I, I hope so. I hope they have that, uh, you know, enough perspective to think about it that way. Um yeah, I mean, a lot of them, these guys played with Anthony Bass. I mean, if they if they see Bass, Bass come in and, and, you know, be a different guy, and uh, I, I think that could change things really quickly because, you know, that he is a different guy. And it is hard to, I mentioned earlier, it's hard to get out of your head what he was, uh, you know, as much as you can look at the Savant page and look at, like, oh, his pitch usage has changed. And look at all that red on his on his StatCast rankings. Like, uh He's he's having a really impressive season, and also like that's a really good contract too. Like like what is it, three point five million with a one point five million dollar buyout for next year? Like that's he's a guy who's going to help the the bullpen this year and next. Like that is kind of you know that's a that's a thing to get a little bit excited about, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what the Yankees add Frankie Montes and the and the the Mariners and uh, Castillo. Um, even if you believe in your starters, and I think the Jays do and should. Um, it's I don't, I don't know, and I'm still um. And speaking of speaking of other Castillos, Max Castillo, I'm very surprised. Like who is like if there's two injuries, who is the who is the spot starter now? Are we go. We're going to see some Thomas Hatch before the year is done. Like that's. Oh, no, I, I was I was at the game. I was at the Thomas Hatch game. I think that that was just about enough. I mean, I've said it before here. Why the hell didn't they just make him a reliever? He was pretty good at that. And then they just decided to, to Joe be a genium, and it's kind of ruined his career since that point. A little bit, a little bit. Poor, poor Joe be a genie also. Well, yeah, me, anyway, um, before <laughs> we get – anyway, there's no need to go down a be a genie rabbit hole. Before we get out of here, any kind of bigger picture takeaways? Um, I'm not sure. No, I mean, I'm still processing everything, really, a little bit. I mean, as anybody who's been listening can – can tell i'm sure um i would like to hear i would what will you rank the trades that the blue jays made for me where how would how which i mean I, maybe it's obvious i think it's probably obvious i mean I th- yeah i think it's i think if you felt a certain way about groshans and you still have that kind of belief in him that went beyond what he's produced which i can't say i do based on the limited sort of action of him i've seen like i think maybe you could talk yourself into being uneasy about that trade but for me that's number one and then the Mitch White deal uh, I guess again with Frasso maybe you're a little bit uneasy that the return on that could be tough but he's just a useful pitcher and you're gonna have him for a long time 
And that, um, that so, also included. We, I don't think we mentioned that, that Alex DeJesus is in, involved as well, a, a prospect in high A right now. 282, 376, 421. Going to go to Vancouver. Uh, I don't know. There's maybe a little bit of a cohort there. Uh, you know, in that part of in that part of the minor league system, if you think of it as like a you know a snake's digestive tract, there's uh, there, there's some guys sort of down there, even though the the top is a little bit barren at the moment. Interesting yeah. guy too. I don't really know a ton about him. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Strikes and then, yeah, I mean that's the issue. And then yeah, Merrifield again. Like I I get it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I like I just don't I don't think that highly of Max Castillo. I know that some people maybe feel a little bit more. I, I don't know. There's no one they gave up that I feel pretty, particularly strong about. I think the if you want to be negative about it, what I would say is the sort of players that they got back are the sort of players that you'd sort of you would hope that they'd be able to develop, right? Like they haven't done a good job of developing the back end starters, the depth starters, the swing guys. You know that you have to go and pay that. You got to pay that with a little bit of a premium because you're giving decent prospects for that. They haven't been able to develop consistent bullpen arms, so you got to go out and pay a guy who's been pretty high on your prospect list for a pretty long time. In an ideal world, you're just generating the type of players they got at this trade deadline. So there's something to be said about their failure to do that. But you know that's more of a big picture concern than a how did they do on one particular day concern. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that also, you know, there are <laughs> there are worse big picture concerns to have than like, are, are we developing swing swingmen readily enough? <laughs> Probably, they're, but they're not the you know the St. Louis Cardinals who can create you know any. They're basically like a create a player factory for average players. Uh, and also, just as a very small side note, if they didn't get Juan Soto because they couldn't put Dylan Carlson in there, that's wild. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. and they need to be like they. <laughs> they had the ability to send that like platter of like, oh, here's a lot of guys who've had some big league success and you'll have control of them forever. And it's like, yeah, none of them are ever going to have like a 3.5 war season probably. Uh, and you can get one soda for that. If they kind of were gun shy on that, then that is brutal. But again, these are some unknowable things that are not of particular interest to Blue Jays land. This is true. Oh, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, that's a weird trade too, speaking of the Cardinals. Yeah, that's just a shame because I like Bader a lot. I just like to watch him play. Like he can, the guy can run. He can play defense. But uh, now he's a Yankee, so that sucks. <laughs> yes, it does. But I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting. It was, uh, you know, it, it, it it's not it's not the uplifting 2015 trade deadline. It's not the Barrios deadline. It's not, uh, you know, it's not whatever they did the last couple of off seasons, even, but it, it's more like, and I think that this is probably the template that, that I think I'm sure I said it like, you know, Robbie Ray and uh, Taiwan Walker, when they got them in 2020, that was that kind of, I was like, that's maybe more of the kind of thing that I think they might do. That's what they like to do. Yeah. Before we get out of here, I just want to read a quote that's come across Twitter this second for, you know, this is an instant reaction podcast. So let's just keep yeah, the instant the reactions coming. This is uh, Atkins asked about Merrifield's vaccination status. And he said, this is a very fresh acquisition and the Jays will let him work through that with his family. <laughs> that strikes me as a bit odd. Um I think it's. it sounds like the, there hadn't been a conversation there, and you would kind of like for there to have been a conversation there. 
but you would think so. I mean, maybe he, he made some public remarks. To be fair, he did make some public remarks about how he'd be willing to do it if it mattered, which was kind of funny. And uh, which, if you're Atkins, you don't want to step in the wrong. You know, you don't want to be like, yeah. yeah. Of course, he's not a fucking idiot. He's gonna fucking do it. Like uh, one hopes. <laughs> I mean, he's got some more research to do. Wit, uh, our our little boy, Wit, who fucking sucks. Um, like, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that this reminds me. Maybe this is because of the football manager on my brain. But uh, they always ask you this when you play football manager. This is a weird tangent, but uh, it's like, oh, if, if you acquire someone right at the at the transfer deadline, they're like, dude. Would you even scout this guy? Like, what? Like, what? Do you? Did you? It, you have to sort of play it correctly to be like, oh no, 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 no. We have all the we had all the angles covered, or your team will get all disappointed in you. Video game stuff. I'm sorry, but uh, but this 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 would be not the correct way to approach it. Uh, to just be like, yeah, we didn't actually ask him about any of that. So. Yeah, he he said some things in a kind of flippant way in the press, and we ran with it. <laughs> and uh, traded a couple prospects for him. I would, yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit weird. We'll they see where it goes have, from here. I mean, they, they're talking to agents and shit. Like, there's no fucking way. Yeah, it would be a hell of a storyline if, <laughs> if they traded a couple prospects uh, and then the guy did not show up or he was a road-only player. Um, I was, I'm into it. Give me a second. I'm just trying to – who's his agent? Who is, who is with Merrifield's agent? If it's Boris, then that's fine. There's a – there's a, a there's a thing. Agents Warner Sports Management. No idea. Maybe they didn't talk to them. I don't know. Too obscure. Anyway, we we can leave it there. Uh, we appreciate all you guys tuning in after the deadline. Uh, I know that it wasn't the happiest happy hour for some of you, but uh, I would encourage people to not believe the sky is falling. And we will uh, come to you again after Thursday's game with maybe a little bit of a sober second thought on this when we've had more time to digest it and potentially maybe we'll have seen a couple of these players and our first impressions of that. Well, they're on the road, so we'll, we'll have seen Merrifield, I guess. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody.